Warning, this episode includes conversations about trauma, addiction, abuse, and other subjects and situations that may be triggering for some listeners. Our intention with this series is to educate and inspire. And while mental health professionals are being interviewed, this podcast does not offer personalized medical advice. If you need help or are in crisis, please seek medical attention and advice from a professional. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoy this episode of Spirit and Recovery on Inside the Wooniverse. From states of euphoria and joy to grief and trauma, the human condition asks us to bear witness to it all. Yet how we respond, how we react, and how we internalize these events and memories can be extraordinarily unique and profoundly impactful, especially where trauma is involved. But if we've surrendered to spirit, we gain the most amazing partner in our healing journey. Spirit and recovery go hand in hand. In this limited series, we'll explore healing modalities, philosophies, and soulful practices that are designed to support recovery on all levels. Let's navigate these waters together with compassion and love. There is wisdom waiting to be shared. You're not alone. We're in this together. Hey there, welcome to Inside the Wooniverse, a podcast brought to you from the corner of Fringe and Maine. I'm your host, Colette Baron reed and welcome to another episode of our limited edition series called Spirit and Recovery. Now, joining us today is a most extraordinary human being, Tammy Valicenti. Tammy is a psychotherapist who specializes in trauma recovery and eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy, which is a mouthful. And otherwise, that's known as EMDR. Now, Tammy has over 25 years of experience in working with clients to achieve relief from trauma, anxiety, and panic, and is the founder of Transformation Solution, a system that utilizes a synthesis of EMDR, internal family systems, and other evidence-based therapies to achieve radical, life-changing results in a short period of time. And I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm going to out myself because I have personally worked with Tammy on stuff that was stuck for like 40 years. And I can attest to the fact that some huge changes happen in a very short period of time, as well as subtle and are they're continuing to. So I am a huge believer in Tammy and what she does because I've had personal experience and she's a very interesting guest to have. So Tammy, welcome. So excited to be here, Colette. Very excited that you're here and we're in a very different dynamic this time. You sitting in that chair, me here, and we're not doing therapy. (laughs) It's great. It's great. It's awesome. So I want to know a little bit about you, you know, what your childhood was like and when did you actually become interested in healing, being a healer? And and then, of course, because you developed this system that is quite extraordinary. So I really want to know your origin story about this. Ah, excellent. You know, for me, wanting to do this work wasn't something that started in my head. I kind of knew it. It's not a job or a career. It was a calling. Right. And that started, I don't know, grade school, maybe middle school. I wanted to be a child psychologist. I didn't have a concept really of what that was. I didn't know any. I didn't know what that meant, but I just, I knew it had to be done. Yeah. Right. And then how did that play out? So it was, so the road was a little bumpy at first, (laughs) but I went to uh, UMass Amherst undergraduate, studied psychology, um, then went to Columbia graduate school. I actually avoided addiction and recovery. Interesting. Right. Well, I have a history in my family, so I come to trauma and addiction, honestly, but I, 
I didn't know that that's where I was headed in my adult life. So I kind of avoided that. But my first love really was trauma. I started working at an organization in New York City that specialized in working with women and and children who were dealing with uh, domestic violence and specific population, people with disabilities and, and domestic violence. Wow. And then I was running a rape trauma program on Long Island in New York and realized I can't do this work without understanding addictions. So I did a lot, a lot of that work too. But like I said, I come by it really honestly. My, you know, my family history is my, my dad was alcoholic. He was also a survivor of really significant trauma in his childhood. And then as a teen was fighting in, um, in Vietnam. So I'm a secondary survivor of trauma and adult child of an alcoholic. Yes. Okay. So let's let's dial down a little bit more, drill down on the idea of the word trauma because it's become quite a buzzword. You know, I've also come to all of this honestly. I, you know, I had trauma, what I know to be true, et cetera, that still impacted me in my 60s that happened to me when I was 19. So I would really love us if we could to chat about what is trauma. You know, what does it really mean? How would we describe it? And how does it impact us when we don't have the tools or the capacity to deal with it? Because we do have collective trauma and then individual trauma. Let's talk about that since we're all talking about it these days. Right. Hot topic. Hot topic. So I mean, the, one of the ways that I define trauma is, is very broad-based. I think we are all survivors of some sort of, you know, in quotes, trauma. Trauma being anything that overwhelms our ability to cope. Overwhelms our ability to cope. So mm-hmm. then, it, so if something overwhelms our ability to cope, it could be trauma from an event. It could be trauma from an action. Can we, you know, make it a l- little bit more accessible? Sure. So um, it would be negative, zen- right? Obviously. Obviously, right. <laughs> so for, right, right. Something and, bad and happened. Something bad happened and we can't <laughs> cope. So it could be something really significant that we all think about as trauma. A plane crash or childhood sexual abuse, domestic violence, those sorts of things. But then mm-hmm. we can get really down to the nitty gritty and wonder, huh, when I was in second grade, I wasn't, this didn't really happen. But if I was in second grade and um, a boy came up, shoved me, called me names, is that trauma? I'm not sure. It really depends on the person's individual experience. But if in that moment I felt a lot of shame and I pushed that down and there was a part of me that was frozen in that time, Mm -hmm. yeah, that was traumatic for me. And I I, kind of build my psyche around that now. You know, it's funny because I, I always thought trauma just meant like blunt force. You know what I mean? That something actually happened to you physically or, you know, like the idea that you had an event. In my case, there was a lot of violence in my 20s. Um, but I came to recognize that, you know, that overwhelming inability to cope. Actually, I can think of an instance when my geography teacher... Miss Prestwich <laughs> reminded me that we weren't really Canadian because my parents were immigrants. My parents had really heavy accents. Um, my dad was Serbian and my mom was German, and although she was Polish in German national. Um, anyway, so they had like really, really super heavy accents. And, uh, and yeah, and she was like, you're not really Canadian. And I remember leaving then and shoving two big donuts in my face and then vomiting. And that was the beginning of my bulimia. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I really think that that comment that was on her case, just benign, she was trying to basically school me in what it means to be really Canadian because they had been there since, I don't know, since first settlers came, which they 
you know, forgot to mention that the First Nations people were here first, you know, but it was this whole, the very, it felt traumatic, but I didn't see it as trauma, but it did, Mm -hmm. it absolutely changed a lot of how I saw myself and how a sense of shame and unworthiness became part of the fabric of my psyche. Right. That's a perfect example because trauma typically happens when we're not connected. Right. There's a sense of, right, of othering or being alone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 9-11 happens and you'd expect more people to be traumatized. That wasn't the case. We all went through it together. You see droves of people walking across the, the bridges together. There's touch. There's a shared mutual experience. In your experience, you know, in that classroom, she othered you, right? Yeah, really. You did that alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I started working with you, well, I, I mean, I started diving into the idea of trauma because when you work with people as I do, you have to really acknowledge their stories. You can't really genuinely work with people or try to help them discover their authentic path or help them transform unless you really understand the nature of their their experience. So, you know, understanding what someone has gone through has to be part of the dynamic you're talking about because not there's no such thing as one size fits all. You know, you have to take those things into account, which I think is why this movement has become so popularized right now, that the idea of trauma-informed therapy, trauma-informed coaching, trauma-informed, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So that it's, it's mm-hmm. this a big thing. And when I reached out to you, it was because I had realized that I had actually not dealt with an incident that had happened amongst many, as you know, I won't go into the detail here, but that it was still impacting my reactions, my expectations. You know, as an adult woman, as I was seeing the very very same dynamic play out in different ways with other people and thought, wow, I'm, it's time. It's time that I go deal with this. And so can we talk about how trauma exists in the body, mm-hmm. how the story sits somewhere in the body? Because that's what I learned working with you. Right. I think there's a, there's a lot of different ways to talk about that. We can talk about it on a you know, biological level. We can talk about that on a spiritual level. Maybe let's, let's talk that. about let's, all of it. <laughs> Yay. Let's yes. go through the list. All right. <laughs> so on a, on a biological level, really what's happening is you're activating your sympathetic nervous system, right? Right. Um, so our breathing is deeper and heavier and faster. Our heart rate picks up. Blood sugars kind of go through the roof. And if that trauma isn't lasting, we come back down to parasympathetic, mm-hmm. right? Which is easy breathing, digestion. Things are operating the way that they should. But when we're activated biologically, oftentimes if we're in an environment where we're activated and reactivated and reactivated, that we'll just stay at that level. Mm-hmm. So can we talk about an example of that? So when mm-hmm. we're in an environment where we get activated or reactivated, is that environment somehow energetically consistent with or echoing the feeling state that we had in the initial a traumatizing moment, right? Like this reminds me of that. Therefore I'm in a heightened sense, or is it that you get into that heightened sense of fight, flight, freeze, fawn, attach. And then, then the other stuff comes up too. I don't know which came first, the chicken or the egg. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's a lot of things happening. It can be that you're in an environment where you're constantly being activated. So you right. grew up in a home with a raging father, right? Okay. And you're right, you're walking on eggshells, you're hypervigilant. So your heart rate may be higher at all times. You know, you may be not fully in parasympathetic all the time. Or if you're talking about a one-off incident, maybe when you were younger or a teenager, and then later on an adult, I think this is maybe a little bit more what you're talking about, that you're reactivated as an adult 
and you're feeling all of that over again. So even in the moment, you're like, this isn't terrifying. I'm okay. I'm safe, but my body is freaking out what's going on. Right. Or you don't even recognize the difference between the two because your feelings tell you that you have to, you know, seek out the potential threat. And even though intellectually, you know that that's it, but you don't think intellectually because that's cut off for you. It's just gone. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to just go into something I think is really interesting that I think we could talk about because I want to come back to that. But I came across this book, Shattered Assumptions by Ronnie Janoff Buhlman. And in it, she shares the three fundamental assumptions that people generally hold. And I want to talk about how trauma can shatter one or more of these beliefs. So we we typically hold that the world is benevolent, Mm -hmm. the world is meaningful, and Mm -hmm. the self is worthy. I found that fascinating because these are three things that can be very elusive too. Yes. So if we, but we're born with these ideas. So let's talk about how trauma can shatter that and define it really, because I think so many people will identify with the conversation and I really want to get it to, you know what I'm saying? So that people can, can identify with what we're talking about. Absolutely. And I think that sound, the book sounds brilliant, but then the concept's amazing. Right. We're born into this world feeling worthy and feeling safe and that the world is, a, like you said, a benevolent place. It's the, it's the experiences in childhood, the experiences in adulthood that layer on top of that, that make it difficult for us to find that true, you know, capital S self or that aligned with, I don't know, call it what you want, source, God, divine place, Mm -hmm. but we're all born so pure and in that place. But again, all of those experiences provide layers on top. Sometimes we have a hard time finding that. So we may walk around, the world is an unsafe place. People are out to get me. It might not be a conscious thought, but our nervous system is wired that way Mm -hmm. because of experiences that we were born into, right? We weren't born that way for sure though. Right, (laughs) right. right. So there's, because there's a default setting that is good, that is healed, that is open, that is safe. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think we've been, all of us been exposed to sustained uh, uncertainty for so long with the pandemic and then with the war, you know, in Europe and then all the, you know, climate change, like there's, you name it, we can, we can just tick off all the lists. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I want to kind of talk about how the individual uh, experience of somebody, say, for example, who knows that they've experienced trauma, haven't really dealt with it. And then after a long period of sustained uncertainty, what that does right, and how right. we can recover from that. Right. So I'm sure you could guess, and a lot of listeners know already, what that does is activates us, triggers us. So what does that bring us? Maybe we have um, less tolerance mm-hmm. for whatever in the world. So we're anxious. We have, um, you know, increased impulse control. We're using alcohol and drugs more. We're eating more. Did I mention sleep? No, we should be talking about sleep. <laughs> we should be talking about sleep. <laughs> So having difficulty falling asleep, staying asleep, not getting enough sleep um, shows up as depression, uh-huh. right? I think we're just more susceptible to all of those things. And if anyone has a significant history of trauma, living in the world right now feels really uncomfortable. And unsafe, right? It just feels, and you can't put your finger on why. Right. There's just a sense of like, mm, I don't know. Mm. You know, I love the science uh, behind everything. So let's talk about EMDR therapy because I, I'd love to talk about, you know, options for help 
right? And I know for me, this was so extraordinary. I mean, yours, Transformation Solution, is a number of different modalities, but I did find the EMDR fascinating. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the science behind it, because there is help. We don't have to all of us wander around as a collective looking for potential threats everywhere we go. We really can heal. If we can identify this, there's ways in which we can get help. So let's talk about that. Right. Absolutely. So EMDR, like you said, stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Um, It was a technique invented 35 or developed 35 years ago by Dr. Francine Shapiro. And she noticed that when she moved her eyes back and forth and thought about something disturbing, that it became less disturbing. And she got really curious about that. And out of that, she developed EMDR. Um, So it was, you know, 30 years ago, 35 years ago, it was just a technique. Now it's a full-blown therapy used for everything, not just trauma and PTSD, but even upper limiting. You know, I can, I can tell you story upon story of working with folks who, because of their history and negative beliefs about themselves, not necessarily any significant trauma, but just a a part that was, um, that was kind of ostracized and and put aside because of something that happened when they were younger. Um, Again, not necessarily trauma, but that upper limiting of like, you know, I'm not good enough to do X, Y, and Z and really holding oneself back. EMDR is really effective with things like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you want to get into like what the science is behind that or what a session would look like. Both. Great. All right. (laughs) (laughs) This is about you and it. (laughs) Fantastic. Uh, Let's do it. (laughs) As you already know, EMDR, what's great about it is it's not not just a cognitive therapy. It works with the whole body and it's a holistic system-based therapy. So in session, we're talking about an experience and we're remembering it with maybe a visual memory, but most important, and that that's almost an aside, most important is what are the sensations in your body, Colette, and what are the emotions that go with it? So we pair all of those things together and for good measure, we'll throw in a negative belief about yourself. um, And then we Pair that with some eye movements back and forth or taps back and forth, sounds in your ears back and forth. And then through that, the transformation and the processing, reprocessing happens. We can really take that memory that's still super activated in the present. You know, when you can bring it up and you can heart races or you feel embarrassed or your face flushes, we can really take that memory and at the end of the processing or reprocessing, it will not activate you anymore. You can think, all right, that was a really, really shitty experience. And I remember how awful that felt even when I talked about it, but I don't feel it anymore. Yeah. And I can attest to that. But what I also found that spiritually, like here's what happened with me. So... um that all happened. That was true. We did that. We tapped on my leg, et cetera, and we brought those things forward. And then what I started noticing is that the outer world, and I wonder if it is because of, you know, how the reticular activating system of the brain takes our eyeballs and looks for evidence in the outer world that what our new feeling state is, is actually true. So without going into too much detail, but I'll bring up what happened with this particular person that was involved in a violent experience that had brought me a lot of shame in my early 20s. Out of the blue, this man, you know, sends me a Facebook request to be my friend right in the middle of our therapy. Remember that? That was like, oh my God. And then I realized I didn't care anymore. That was the most incredible. Like what would possess this person to Mm -hmm. send me a friend request on Facebook? Like it was like, it was incredible. Like rapist is asking you to come and be friends. I'm like, oh my God. 
But it was like, I didn't feel a thing. And I actually went and looked at his page and his brother's page. And I was like, these are just old men now, like that I could care less about. And I can tell you prior to that, now I can talk about it because I think it's worth talking about. Yes. Because I kept that inside. I never even told anybody about that. I could tell anybody about these other things that happened to me because I wrote about them in my book. So this is not, this is common knowledge. And it was related to my alcoholism and drug addiction at the time, mm-hmm. my early twenties. But I never talked about this one incident because it was brought me so much shame. And the fact that I literally, and it still did like two years ago, and the pandemic brought it to me and said, you know what, Colette, it's time for you to clean house, like really mm-hmm. clean house. And then mm-hmm. I, I came to you like quivering. I have this one thing that happened that I oh, haven't told so anybody. So courageous, so courageous. Right? <laughs> and then all of a sudden this happens. It was like the universe went, okay, let's see how far you've come. And I'm yeah. like, what the heck? Like it is, so this stuff really works. And for me, it was the last house in the road, right? It was, it's that kind of thing that okay, I've tried everything, talk therapy, I've done all these other things, but sometimes a trauma, especially if it's shame-based, and because we are talking about the spirit in recovery, where this limited series is also about recovery from addiction. Mm -hmm. And I definitely believe that specifically for women, and I can't speak for men because I just know myself as a woman or anybody who identifies as a woman, you know, there are certain things that I can tell you by having been in a women's treatment center that we had all been sexually abused. We, all of us had had experiences that brought trauma around, you know, the loss of boundaries and just a tremendous amount of thing that no matter where we came from, because we were there from all walks of life, we had the identical story. And I found that more and more in 12-step rooms when I got clean and sober, and I've been sober now 37 years. So it's like, with this is a thing that's in common, it goes hand in hand with addiction. So, and the shame, and it never left me. Like it never left me. So, and I didn't want to tell anybody. So it was just really interesting. And now I'm just so a fan of this because we didn't talk it through. I didn't need to tell the story again. I needed to do something that could Mm -hmm. take it out of my body. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that's what I needed. I just know my mutual friends that we all share you in common. (laughs) You work with a lot of us. And uh, it it really changed my life. So I want to talk about the spiritual aspect of it. And then I'd love to hear your take on that because Mm -hmm. I had a spiritual awakening during the session. And what had happened was it was very similar to an out-of-body experience where I could see I was in this big giant house and this little child version of me or this little part of me was there and I could actually see it. And it was a mystical experience while we were doing that. And I felt that at a spiritual level, it was bringing me back to the core of innocence, the core of the connection to spirit. Because what happens when we continue to hold trauma in our bodies we don't 100% connect with spirit. There's still this little disconnection because we think, well, this part of me can't, well, that's just always going to be a scar or a wound. And yet when I released it, I had more greater access to spirit, greater access to source, greater access to my creativity. It was yes. incredible. So I want to yes. hear your take on that and, you know, and the spiritual aspects of trauma that's unhealed and then when it's healed. That, that was, well, that was a beautiful summation of your experience. And, and that's exactly what happens as you heal those parts and, and really pull fear out of the system. You're able to more fully be connected to spirit, to self, to divine. I think a big part of that is, and I think you hit, kind of hit the nail on the head, a big part of that work is, and that's where the IFS piece or the parts piece comes in. Yes, 
deactivating your nervous system helps and getting rid of that fear does help in that connection. But the other piece is getting in connection with the part of you that's been exiled off that was too shameful to talk about it. Mm-hmm. That Right? So we bring her out of hiding. You connect with her. You have the compassion and the love and the understanding, and you're able to give her everything she needs and then bring her to where she needs to be, whether it be in the present with you having this interview with me or to that beautiful, mystical, magical house that she lives in, right? Yeah, it's trippy. <laughs> right? It was really amazing. Yeah, and so so the internal family systems piece, because I, I, I do want people to hear that too, that it's not just I'm going to shift it out of my nervous system and get rid of it because there's a story attached to it. We have to take a little break now. More with Tammy when we return. We'll be right back. Oh, thanks for joining us today and welcome back. With us today is Tammy Velocenti, a psychotherapist who specializes in trauma recovery. You know, if we could segue into this other conversation that's also become quite popular, which is working with ancestors. Mm. This was something that my mother went through too. Of course. Um, which I had found out and she had told me never to tell anybody. She's crossed over now, but there was a lot of secrets growing up and my mom had been through the war, World War II, as had my father, and a lot went down. Plus, we didn't even know we were Jews. My mother's father was uh, killed in a concentration camp in Dachau. So there was a lot of family history that was trauma-based. I didn't know, but I had it in my body when I was, like I had it. I grew yeah, up with it. It's, not in, knowing, it's in your DNA. Right? Mm-hmm, so absolutely. in a weird way, having done this, I feel like I set my mom free. Do you know, it just feels so different. Absolutely. You have absolutely 100%. Her story is a little different because you were able to shift your DNA as well. Right. The remarkable thing about this is that it's not just deactivating. You're kind of touching the issue a little bit. You get to retell the story. Yeah. So that's the remarkable thing about the EMDR and that combining with the IFS piece is that is that we get to retell it. So it's not just that um, in your instance that this awful you know thing happened to you and you had no control over it and you were a victim of it. No, through the reprocessing with EMDR and then getting you out of that, you retell the story. So mm-hmm. now you're I don't remember the exact details, but now I'm powerful. Now I have agency. Right. Yeah. Now I have agency. Right. And I no longer am afraid of the part of me that didn't, nor am I consistently looking for similar experiences today, although they wouldn't be exactly like that. They're much more implied. I don't need to keep doing it over and over again, trying to find healing. It is healed. So I don't, I'm not even vaguely attracted to that energy anymore, Mm -hmm. which also was confusing. Like, why is the, why are these kind of people coming into my life challenging me? It feels just like that. And then I realized, well, maybe, oh, that's interesting. I think also having, like you said, going there and telling the new story, I think what we have to all be very careful of, and this is just my opinion, because I went through this myself and I see it in clients. I see it at, you know, also as just in the rooms I'm in and the Facebook groups we run, that the story of being victimized versus victimhood. So we experience many of us have experienced a situation where we have been victimized either by an one event, one-off event by society itself by family by experiences that become a story that we tell so the difference of telling the story about victimhood Mm-hmm. Right, which is where I am identified as a victim is very, very different than saying, "Yeah, I was victimized here, and this is what I did to change that, and I right. am not that person." 
Right. That's really important to remember not to be attached to the victimhood because I am noticing uh, since trauma has become quite a popularized topic that people are loosely using the term to say, oh, that's my trauma. Oh, that's my trigger. You know, mm-hmm. Oh my God, you triggered me. Oh my God. Like, do you know what I mean? Instead of like, okay, so, right, right let's be right. responsible for this. I think you're right. I think a lot of people will say, oh, you know, PTSD from that. I can't do that. I think you're really, really <laughs> diminishing it for sure. Right? right. Right. Let's, let's have a little deference for people who really have PTSD or have experienced some things like that. Yeah. And also to note that there is real genuine help to be had. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, and, and that new story is available. You know, that's the thing. It empowers you. And as a result of doing this psychological work, mm-hmm. you automatically have greater access to spirit. Like you say, like you just do. Your intuition becomes, it turns on your creativity, your capacity to trust. Mm-hmm. I always thought that I was trusting. I had a tremendous amount of faith. I, you know, I do this work, the spiritual work, blah, blah. But that was one thing I just figured, well, that's just never, that's just always going to be there. You know, that's yeah. just there. You no, know? And then the instead, No. And then I thought during the pandemic, like, well, why don't I change this too? Like, why don't I go deal, deal with this? This, uh, this thing that sits in my throat that makes me want to vomit when I think about it. Right. right? I'm thinking I'm going to go do, yes. do this now. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it also doesn't have to be a thing that someone remembers. There have been many times I've worked with folks like, I've got this feeling. Feeling like I'm not sure. Okay, mm-hmm. was where's the feeling? You said it's like a vomit in my throat. All right, we'll yeah. go with that that feeling in your body, and then <clears throat> the emotions that go with that. Let's tap that through and see what comes up and where that goes. And also, what you're talking about, Colette, is like it's really about connection. You know, it's yeah. in those moments we were disconnected in the classroom um, when you were traumatized mm-hmm. by this man. We were disconnected from ourselves and from others. And this sacred place that we create you and I have done allows you to connect more to yourself and to spirit and divine. So, um, okay, circling back on the point I mentioned earlier about the three assumptions we have about life and how trauma shatters our belief in them. How do you know when EMDR has done its job and healed the trauma? Um, Is it now about being able to hold those three beliefs or assumptions again? And could that feel like a miracle unto itself? And do you have any stories? Like, because I know we can't name names, but I'd love to hear some of the stories because I I just shared mine because it really was astounding, like astounding. Mm -hmm. Like I could even fantasize, bring up those people in my head. And now I just like, who cares? That's impossible. (laughs) It's just impossible. Oh, I'm so grateful every day I get to do this. You have no idea. (laughs) Like totally, it's impossible that those things could have been. I mean, my whole life that's been hiding in the back of my head. I know. Did you find yourself looking for it? Like, where did that go? (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, people do that. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know what it did though, too? Like it made me feel more grounded. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. in the weirdest way that had nothing mm-hmm. to do with that. Like nothing mm-hmm. to do with the exact thing, but mm-hmm. I feel much more rooted. I would say I'm more rooted in my yeah. being. Nobody yeah. can pull me up by the roots anymore. No, you have more connection to the core of you. <laughs> That I only started noticing it when I started painting, and well, I mean, I didn't start painting, but it it showed up in my art, which I found fascinating because I'm like, wow, I feel Mm -hmm. like a different person. Wait a second, how is this possible? Yeah. (laughs) So, okay, so let's go there. Like, so how how does that work? And then let's talk Mm -hmm. about some stories that you know that you're able to share. So I guess what you're asking is how do you how does someone know when they're done with their work with their EMDR work? And I really I think it really depends on person to person. A lot of people come in with specific things like, um, 
and this is going to a little bit of a story, but of someone I worked with, but um, someone came in, I've got tinnitus and says, you know, I've done some research and EMDR can help. I'm like, really? You're sure? <laughs> so I actually really? did some research and did I think it he was right. Did tinnitus? No kidding. My, oh, my Mark has tinnitus. <laughs> uh, like, yeah. <laughs> we'll send you yeah. to him, send mm-hmm. him to you. Okay. All right. So did it work? Session, I want to hear. Three sessions, there's relief. Sleeping through the night, no. you know. Yes. Yes. No. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. This the is- panic related to it is is gone. You know, the tinnitus is still there a little bit, but it recedes to the background. Wow. So, okay. Right. This, is a, this is meant to be this conversation. Okay. So does that person feel, you know, feel like um, they're living in a benevolent world, that they're feeling safer? I'm not, I'm not sure if all of those, if those, what was the third thing you mentioned? The self is worthy. The world is meaningful. The world is benevolent. Yes. Um, So I I don't think necessarily in that quick sessions, three session treatment, like all, all of that happened. I think maybe that person came to me with all of that in place mostly. And it was just this kind of one specific thing. Um, And what about somebody else, for example? um, Someone comes to me, I want to stay in self when I go back and see my um, family of origin. You know, when I'm around my sister, right? Yes. Let's talk about that. How did that work? (laughs) Good question. (laughs) Because that's like, yeah, like Thanksgiving, Christmas, all kinds of different family occurrences. What happens when one has an entire panic attack when you go in the house? I used to, I used to eat an entire thing of chocolate chip cookies at my mother's house because I couldn't be there without shoving food in my face. Mm -hmm. And this is back when I had an eating disorder, but I just couldn't go. I just, I just had to eat my way through the whole time. Right, right, right. And it's, a lot of times it's really hard to stay in self. We regress back to that, um, you know, mm-hmm. petulant, angry child or whatever we were at that time. Um, so how does that go? That definitely goes to what was it like to live in that house growing up? What were the interactions with your sibling and with your parent? And maybe no big T traumas as we've defined them per se, but mm-hmm. there was a diminishment, diminishment of self. That person maybe wasn't seen and heard. Right. Right. So we work on that with EMDR and the IFSE piece as well. And um, lo and behold, that person setting clearer boundaries can sit at a dinner table without regressing. You know, can they spend a whole week in a vacation home with their family without without losing it? Probably not. (laughs) Right. But who'd want to do that anyway? (laughs) Right. Exactly. I mean, it's it's yeah. Yeah. I get that. I really get that. Has anybody ever talked to you besides me about my spiritual awakening, <laughs> which was just so shocking? Um, has anybody talked to you about, you know, about how uh, working with you or working with your technique at the Transformation Solution has impacted their spirituality specifically? Mm. I, I know that that happens almost on a daily basis. I'm thinking right. about something specific. In fact, you know, even yesterday, my first two sessions, it was all just, it was all spiritual. It was conversations and, and processing around connection to self. And where is that for me? And that's where I feel, you know, speaking for the client, that's where I feel uh, most myself and, and okay. And how do I find that? And how mm-hmm. do I stay in that? I keep getting pulled out by all of these forces um, right, right. Right. Yeah. By all these forces that are external to us. And I think that that's key that whenever we're disconnected from spirit, which I think is our greatest, the greatest wound that all humanity has right now is our disconnection from spirit in all things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we get pulled away from the self with the capital S and coming, bringing them back. Go ahead. I, you know, I can think of, of one instance, a woman came to me, wasn't sure if there was sexual abuse in her history. Um, and again, we don't have to know. It's just the sensation mm-hmm. in your body. And 
and the emotions that go with it. Lo and behold, some visions, some memories come up. Um, though that's not typical with EMDR, even if you have a sense, it's very rare that it will uncover some memory, but it did. And that was processed. Um, and I think three, four sessions. Mm-hmm. And then after that, she comes back, she's like, I just had that. I just had this experience. I had sex and I was <laughs> present and I enjoyed it and I was grounded. And you know, again, three, four short sessions. Right. And if that's not a spiritual experience, I don't know what it is. It, yeah, because when we come to ourselves, it is much more is available to us. That's interesting too, because it's, mm-hmm. you know, when people are have that history, it's really easy to disconnect in the act because you can't put two and two together. You can't put love with sex together. It becomes this kind of strange bridge that you have to eventually build. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Question, can the strides be made within the realm of healing trauma of the EMDR ever be reversed or is it permanent? Great question. Um, it, it, it is absolutely 100% permanent. Yeah. So the, re, the results you see, people ask that all the time. So, right, yeah. and, and there's fear around it, right? Like, yeah. Am I going to lose this feeling? Am I going to, is this going to go away? I thought that. Right? No. The answer is no. I completely thought that. And I <laughs> went looking. I actually, remember I said that, you know, that person sends me a Facebook friend thing. I'm like, what? No. Um, but it was so interesting because I actually made myself dive in and look at the pictures. And I, I couldn't make it come. And then I actually brought myself to the memory of the event. And I couldn't make the shame come. Like it no. just wasn't there. It no. was like, wow, I'm just looking at this dispassionately, disconnected completely. I get what happened. I totally saw what happened. I feel more compassion for the, me at the time. And what I, you know, like being the victim of, of something like that is, I didn't identify with it. I was just like, wow, that was a shitty thing that happened that actually made me who I am now. And it, I couldn't force it. <laughs> it was just right. because I, I didn't, that. I was like, is this, is this real? Is this like yeah. really going to go away now? Like, is this, and I have, yeah. I will tell you, honestly, it feels permanent. It does. It is. It is. You reprocess and deactivated that memory, but also you freed that part of yourself that was, that yeah. was exiled off. And she is now a part of you. Like you said, that experience was part of me, but it is not me. Right. And it's not activated. Right. So yes, you, you reintegrated that part that was cordoned off, that was jailed by that experience. And I like mm-hmm. that you'd use the word exile, because I think that many of us mm-hmm. exile that part of ourselves. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a way to stay safe. I can't connect to that, but it doesn't work because then you keep repeating or keep being attracted to, which you would never intellectually be attracted to these things. But it, I think it's the eyeballs. We keep noticing the evidence in the outer world that we're not safe or that somehow could, some event could create shame in us or, you know, like there's, it's a very interesting thing. It's very, yeah. very interesting. I find it fascinating. Yeah. I mean, even though you've exiled or cordoned her off, because of that, she has so much power. It's when you bring her closer and integrate her with you that she has less power over you. So let's talk about the inherent gifts Mm -hmm. of that self that was traumatized. What what are the gifts that reside in trauma and in the healing of trauma? Because I know that it did feel like there was a part of me that was stuck, like frozen in amber. 
Yes. You know, that I couldn't forgive, that I was ashamed of, that I took on, it was my fault. And, you know, which is very typical too for women who have addiction issues, who find themselves in a patterns of sexual violence and things like that, which, which happened to me. And I can say to me now, because it's like, well, I, I participated in that, but I'm no longer, I realize that I, no shame here and no shame. This is, this is what happened. Mm-hmm. This is who I became. And this is what I can offer now. So the gifts beginning with you've unblended from that part, right? And you're not weighted down by the shame of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So specifically, just on a PTSD level, folks are then able to sleep better, you know, all of those things. But yeah. I think the bigger, greater gifts are less, certainly you're less symptomatic, but the bigger, greatest gifts is that you walk around whole and there's a right. freedom in that, right? Mm-hmm. And more compassionate, right? I think Mm -hmm. people develop that you can have more compassion because you all of a sudden, that one part of you that you've disowned Mm -hmm. is now something you can care about. Right. It started with compassion with, you know, for self and that part, right? That maybe you would have hated or shamed or raged at or disliked. Yeah. Um, But as you got to know her, you could have a lot of love and compassion for her and bring her close and just give her all the love and things that she needed that she didn't have. And so, you know, the other gift is that we're able to be uh, more connected, more connected to each other, more connected to source, connected to family, to friends, um, connected to self. I think we can't really genuinely have all the connections to friends and families. And, and, and Well, that's not true. I think we can be connected, but the connection to self with the capital S, um, that higher self, is that you get connected to the blueprint of why you're here. You know, your real contributions, your authentic desires, as opposed yes. to the things you think you should have. You know, you're not you're not looking for clues in the in the outer world to tell you if you're okay or not or to tell you what you should be doing. You just inherently know. And that's why I think this relationship between spirit and recovery and recovery from trauma can actually bring you even deeper to your spirituality, deeper to the core of why you're here. And also, um, I think that that healing of fear, I think I think the pandemic, and then the war brought a lot of fear back to people. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's certainly, it's, I, I mean, I probably, I'm glad it happened to me because that's why I went and got help from you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I better <laughs> I deal with too. this thing that's too. come up. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> right. wait a second, this happened 40 years ago. Why am I thinking about it every day now? Like, that's not normal. Well, at that moment, right? that was the, your highest <laughs> spiritual teacher, right? <laughs> totally. Oh my God. But that's the thing. So let's talk about that. How yeah. trauma can be your best spiritual teacher. How it calls you. I mean, it brought me to my knees and called me to the table and say, okay. If we, if we listen, if we don't run from it, if we don't hide from it, exactly. Our highest, greatest spiritual teacher, Mm -hmm. follow the calling. Mm -hmm. Follow Mm -hmm. the calling. So what do you love most about the work you do? Oh, you know, I've gotten into podcasts lately and this, these are really fun, but I have to tell you. I know you were on Gabby's. You were on Gabby's. I was. We Um, share you. (laughs) <laughs> and I did a Viva Roms. I don't think that's been aired. Um, so cool. I've got another one coming up, I think, tomorrow. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I love, I love doing this work. It's super fun. Most importantly, I want the word to get out to folks who are suffering or, um, you know, carrying the weight of things like this. And you just don't have to. No, 
It's just not necessary. And it's not that complicated. That's, I was that's say, the other it's, thing. It's an easy fix. It's, it is, it, which is shocking to me because mm-hmm. I love to complicate things. I love, <laughs> in, I love complexity. I love things that take forever. I love like all these, mm-hmm. you know, and then when I got here, it was like, well, that was easy. What the heck is that? Why have I waited so long? <laughs> and why, yeah. when, how, is it true that it was easy? Wait a minute. Now there's got to be something wrong with this. There's I mean, catch. literally there's, a catch, there's right? a catch. I was looking for the nope. catch. No catch, no catch. <laughs> Like, how come this was happened like this? Oh, yeah. yeah. I was like, I'm obsessed now. And yeah. it's so funny because I, afterwards I realized, well, I, I've really done this part. And then I'm like, what else could I do? What else could I work with next? Mm-hmm. And that's, I'm going to come back to you now. I've got a whole new lo- list wait. of things <laughs> that are not necessarily trauma-based, but perhaps yeah. a ceiling that I'd like to move beyond. Mm-hmm. But it is so true mm-hmm. that there are tools and I, it's why I wanted you on this series because I want people to know that there are tools and they are not hard and they're not no. hard to find, no. you know, and they work. They do. They work. And they I am living proof that they work. So yeah. thank you for being here. Let's pull a card together to see if oh. there's anything else the Wooniverse yes. wants, wants so us to talk about. that. <laughs> now I chose the Oracle of Seven Energies because it operates off of the seven spiritual components of a person's life experience. It's also the seven psychological uh, concepts that we work through and, and basically seven categories that life is made of. So well, let's pick a topic and see so if we can riff on one more thing. <laughs> great, great. Oh, that came out. So let's let's take that. Okay. Well, this is this is too easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Into Me I See. <laughs> are, we su- are we surprised? Are we surprised? <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Into Me I See. <laughs> Let's, yes. Okay. So let's, I'm going to just read you a well, little bit of an excerpt from the guidebook. Okay. And uh, that's- Before that's, you read that, can I just, yeah. because it, it just touches on something you asked me before, which yeah. is, you know, what, what do you love about your work? I mean, it's the- podcast, yes, it's really fun, but but it's the moments, and you've experienced this with me, it's the sacred space between the two of us that we create, yeah. right? And those moments of like, aha, or like, holy shit, something shifted. <laughs> the holy there's, shit piece, yes. <laughs> there's nothing, there's nothing on this planet or any other planet I'd rather be doing. I'm jazzed by it every freaking day. Yeah. And it, <laughs> yeah. and it's, it is amazing. It is yeah. absolutely amazing. Yeah. So here's what it says at certain precious moments, you're called into a deep and meaningful connection with the world or another person. I'm going to cry now. A magical affinity arises with the kind of intimacy that in turn encourages a greater understanding of yourself. Ah! The relationship acts as a mirror, helping you see your own patterns. What it reflects about you can further your own personal evolution intimate relationships hold up a mirror of truth and reveal more treasures than you might ever expect. If you can look into it, take a risk and see everything is beautiful. Ah, even in its in its imperfections, imagine how deep you could go. That's what I wrote. That's, card. that's the card? That's, that's the, the actual, card. <laughs> that's unbelievable. <laughs> Crying. Oh, that is so beautiful. Right? And so perfect. So perfect. This is, this is sacred work we do. 
Yeah. And we need yeah. each other. You know, mm-hmm. it's not, it's, it's the sacred work you and I get to do, but also this is what everybody needs. We need more intimacy. We have been so, become so divided and so, so much division everywhere. And we need to come together, whatever it takes for us to do. And if, if anybody listening here that has had any kind of trauma, any kind of past experience that, you know, we know there is help. We know that it can be done. And what you get at the end of it is the capacity for connection in a way that you've never had before because I know it's true for me. Absolutely true. Bravo. To learn more about Tammy and all her other offerings, you can visit her at transformation-solution.com transformation-solution.com and to find a transcript of this episode quotes and links to what we've been speaking about here today, head on over to our show notes page at itwpodcast.com or click the link in this episode's description. Tammy, what a great conversation. Oh, Thank you. So grateful for you. <laughs> oh, ditto. Thank you so, so much so for fun. joining. <laughs> and I hope, I really hope the listeners heard this today. And, you know, it works. It really, really works. Don't wait 40 years like I no, did to deal with something. Minute. Don't wait another minute. <laughs> Go do it. It's, yes. it's, yeah, it works. It works. Oh, what a great conversation. What did we learn today, all of us? Well, oh my gosh, well, we learned so much. And of course, I am a huge, huge supporter of this kind of work because it actually works because I know it works. But the spiritual piece here, you know, when we pulled the card into me, I see, which is exactly what this is about. We become so disconnected from ourselves if we don't deal with our, you know, genuine trauma that we've experienced, whether it be PTSD, whether it be a number of things, you know, that we she calls the little T or the big T, or just the things that prevent us from being fully, wholly connected to one another and to, of course, spirit. But this does open up our connection to the universe where everything does become possible. I, I just loved talking with Tammy Valicenti today. So until next time, I'm Colette Baron-Reed. Be well. Spirit and Recovery is a production of Universal Network Studios. A special thanks to our recording engineer, Chris Dupuis, executive producer, Connie Deletti, story editor, Julie Fink, and post-production audio by Lonnie Carmichael. Music, courtesy of APM Music. And don't forget to keep up to date on episode releases and much more by going to itwpodcast.com. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you join us next time for another episode of Inside the Wooniverse, a podcast brought to you from the corner of Fringe and Maine.